This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. This is our opportunity, folks. We're on this great journey. Reset, reset. Don't keep doing the same things expecting a different result. Make a decision now. You've had the wrong goal. And that's why you're frustrated. And that's why you're falling into bed at night, weary, tired, and accomplishing nothing. Change the goal. Aim for heaven and get earth thrown in. Push the reset button. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. You're listening to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron. This week, we're revisiting some older messages from Pastor Jeff about his series called Reset. It's all about resetting our life and resetting our connection with God. Now, this may be an older message, but it's still relevant today. We've started the series by looking at the Apostle Paul and why he wanted to make change and live with the risk that comes with being a true follower of Christ. Let's join Pastor Jeff for the remainder of this message. As the greatest influencer of the first three centuries, as the Apostle Paul opens the window of his life and lets us look in, we notice he gives us a roadmap how to reset our lives. That's what this series is about. We're gonna look at that roadmap. We're gonna ask three questions, give three answers that leads to three or lead to three agents of change. So how can I then change course? How can I reset? And reset in a way that's gonna lead to an extraordinary life, to a sense of peace and satisfaction and joy. It's beautiful. First question. What is the goal toward which you are working? You look at your life and you think, well, I'm here. I want to be there, but I'm not getting there. Well, the first question is, where's the there that you're trying to get to? What are you chasing? Not what you think it should be. Be honest. What is truly the objective of your life? What are you pursuing? What are you after? Now, again, what I'm going to give you may sound super spiritual, but I promise you this is about the most practical message that I've ever delivered. Please listen. What is the goal of your life? What are you after? Most of us want a good marriage, a successful workplace, financial security, peace, joy, a stable family, good friends, good times with those friends, accomplishments, health and vitality. Those are the things we want. But folks, those are actually byproducts of a greater achievement. There is a greater goal when achieved, these things then become present realities. Unfortunately, what most of us end up doing is chasing the byproducts instead of the core reality that produces them. The Bible tells us in Matthew 16, for what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Now, if you look at that, there's another option. What is implied in the text? If you gain the world, lose your soul. But if you gain your soul, there's a possibility you could gain the world, which means the soul then should be your ultimate pursuit. Now, stay with me just a moment. 
I dug deep into my archives for this illustration. I've used it a few times from Myra Brooks Welch. Here's how it goes. It's a classic poem, but listen carefully to the words. She says, "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good people, he cried. Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, do I hear two? Two dollars, who makes it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But no, far from the back of the room, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust off that old violin and tightening up its strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as the angels sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quite and low, said, what now am I bid for this old violin? And he held it up with the bow. One thousand, one thousand do I hear two, two thousand, who makes it three, three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried, we just don't understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune, all battered and bruised with hardship, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going, he's almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. What is the point? The point is a job is just a job. A career is just a career. A marriage is just a marriage. A family, a family, a pursuit, just a pursuit. A violin is just a violin until God picks it up and the touch of the master's hand. Do you see where this is going? C.S. Lewis said it's like this. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. So when you push the reset button, the first thing you have to do, don't you think it would be better to step out of the flow that is governed by the prince of the power of the air? Go against the grain. Go upstream. Don't do the same thing everybody else is doing or you're going to get the same thing everybody else is getting. So then the very first question, what is the goal of your life? There's only one answer that will be effective and it's Jesus. When you get Jesus, you get everything else thrown in. C.S. Lewis had an incredibly sharp intellect. He was an atheist that came to the end of his life, the end of himself, rather, and turned and gave his heart over to Jesus. And in one of his works describing his conversion, he says, you must picture me alone in that room, not after night, wanting that burden in my mind to be lifted even for a second. The steady, unrelenting approach of he whom I earnestly desired not to meet, that which I had greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, he says, I finally came in and admitted that God was God and I knelt and I prayed. Perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. That was the last line in the last paragraph on which he records his conversion moment. And then the first line of the next page and next chapter reads this. I thought I was coming to a place I found out I had come to a person. 
When you come to religion, you come to a place. When you come to Christ, you come to a person. And the best news about that revelation is this. He's always watching you. Always. Every single moment. And when you realize that is not a threat, but a promise, everything changes. Which is why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 7, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. What a time to push the reset button and to say, there should be to know Christ, to meet him, to come close to God, because as I achieve that goal, Everything else will be added unto me. What is the goal of your life? Jesus, two. How can I achieve the goal? As you push the reset button to aim at heaven and get earth thrown in, the second thing you need to do is press into the goal. The apostle Paul says this, once his goal changed, once it became Christ, he said, not that I have already attained it, but I press on. I love that word. Press on. Imagine a runner stretching for the tape after the 100-meter sprint, and his arms are flailing and his face is contorting as he reaches for the finish line. Every muscle is focused on one ultimate objective. Now, stay with me. When I talk about this passage, I always mention a friend of mine, Keith Turner. We played basketball together in high school, and some of you may find this humorous, but Keith Turner actually wanted to be the first Elizabethan cyclone to dunk a basketball in a high school basketball game. Now, the game has evolved a lot in the last 30, 40 years, so you go to a high school game, a good high school game, you're going to see a number of dunks. But back in the 70s and 80s, they were rare, but Keith Turner decided he was going to be the first one at our school in a game. A lot of us could do it in practice, but in a game, in traffic. He started putting a white piece of athletic tape on the backboard, and every day after practice, beginning with his freshman year, he would do the weights and do a thing called the jumper where you would build your thighs and your jumping muscles, supposedly. I think it broke your back more than it built your muscles, but he was convinced. And he would jump and touch this piece of athletic tape on the backboard, and when he could do it 10 times in a row, he would raise the mark just a little bit. And then after he could do that 10 times, he would raise the mark a little more. He did that over the course of three and a half years so that by the time the end of his junior year, that piece of tape was on the top of the square. And then his junior year, my senior year, we were playing Sullivan Central in a regional final and I got the rebound and I did what coach told me to do. I pivoted to the outside and I gave him a a power pass to midcourt where he was waiting. And he turned and he dribbled five big dribbles, left somewhere around just inside the free throw line and with two hands shattered the backboard because this was before breakaway rims. It was so thunderous that the other team even celebrated what they had just seen. And most of us just cried because we knew and understood the mark that he had established and the work that it had taken to achieve what he had just achieved. See, that's the thing. You don't just drift into this. Your primary objective is to know Christ, to pursue heaven, and earth gets thrown in. But to do so means that you're going to have to set the mark higher and higher and never give up. Mother Teresa, another one of my favorite quotes, toward the end of her life, she says this, 
May I truly obey you starting today to be a courier of your love, your grace to a hurting world because up to now, I've really done nothing. Wow, up to now, I've done nothing? This is the Mother Teresa who had won the Nobel Peace Prize, who had made great strides in mercy and compassion, helping the poorest of the poor in the streets of Calcutta. And she gets to the end of her life and she says this, may I start doing good things now because up to now I've done nothing? But this is what people who live extraordinary lives do. Every new day, they have a fresh desire in their hearts, a never-ending compassion, an all-consuming objective to press into their pursuit and to raise the bar just a little higher every day. And then I began to realize the older I got, if you try to be humble, you won't be. If you try to be forgiving, it's too hard. If you try to be patient, if you try to have self-control, if you try to be merciful, that's not how these things happen. They are the natural byproducts of something else. As you commune with God daily, one day suddenly you wake up in your 30s or 40s and you realize you're humble, you're forgiving, you're patient, you're merciful. Not because you're trying to be, because that's who you have become. I thought of the African proverb, little by little makes a bundle. As you stack piles of wood, as you stack the knowledge and wisdom of God into your life, one day you become. The goal is reached. You know him. He knows you. You see, the question is, how are we going to get from here to there when the ultimate loftiest goal is to know Christ and to experience his power so that everything about our life changes? You gotta get out of the flow. You gotta change your goal. You gotta press into it then with daily habits. And the Bible says, then and only then will all these things be added unto you. Listen, this is not rocket science. The person who begins each day with devotion and prayer, who talks to God throughout the day, who listens to worship music in their car or at home to impact the senses and the emotions, who becomes aware of the presence of God in every circumstance in any given day, that is the person who gets earth thrown in. And if you press into those things, here's what will happen. You will find the touch of the master's hand. Why? And then a mediocre life will be transformed into an extraordinary life because, listen carefully now to these next two statements, with the calling of God comes the power of God to assist those who are living in obedience to Christ. Let me say it again. With the calling of God comes the power of God to assist those who are living in obedience to Christ. You are obeying Christ. You have the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ. God releases that power for extraordinary living. Second, with the knowledge of God comes the wisdom of God to achieve ultimate victories. So as you sit in the presence of God, you gain the wisdom of God, and then you make right decisions at the right time in the right place that leads to a victorious life. And it happens through relationship. I, I got a good friend. His name is Mike. He's, a, he's an incredible entrepreneur. He's very good at leadership, and he's very good at it because it is Christ-centered. He models the leadership lessons that Jesus gives us. He applies those into his life. It's how he leads his life, his family, and his business. He's a very wealthy man, although he did not pursue wealth. He pursued Christ and made business decisions based on Scripture. 
Now, I like to hang out with Mike because I want to be a better leader. And I notice as I hang out with him, I gain wisdom and guidance. Sometimes it's just one phrase that he'll make. He thinks I don't hear it because I'm so ADD, but I hear it and I'm listening to it all the way home. How do I apply this? See, that's why the Apostle Paul said, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press into it. I press on. He says, I press into Jesus and Jesus presses into me. So what is the goal of your life? And how can I achieve the goal? The goal is Jesus. And how do you achieve it? You press into him through the daily habits of your life. And third and finally, but Jeff, what if I fail? Because I've tried this game before. And the answer is simple. Make sure that you fail forward. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I want to promise you something. If you rearrange and reset your life to pursue the ultimate goal of Christ, if you do that, I promise you, you will have failures. You say, well, why? I cannot tell you how many times my friend Keith Turner raised the mark on the backboard and failed. Week after week after week to the point, I would see him dejected, but he never gave up. He knew that if he just stayed with it, the time will come when he will reach the next level. Can I ask you something? How many times have you started your devotional life? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what Pastor Jeff says. Two weeks later, it's gone. How many times have you prioritized godly things? How many times have you intended to get your house in order? Have you committed to live a holy life? How many times have you promised God you're not going to do that thing that you know you shouldn't be doing anymore? Only a couple of days later, here we go again. How many times have you made a promise with great intentions that you are going to pursue God more than anything else? How many times? Do you know why you failed? Part of the reason is that Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, your enemy is pretty powerful. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Your enemy is powerful. Well, what do I do then? What's the secret, Pastor Jeff? Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. That means he failed too. The sin is not in the failure. You're in the flesh. Your enemy is powerful. You're going to have setbacks, and they're usually going to happen primarily through distractions of lesser loves. There are going to be times in your life you get distracted by an affluent world system who offers other things to you. Failure will come, but you can decide whether you fail backward or forward. I don't know if you know who Jonas Salk is but he discovered the polio vaccine. Uh, but he failed over 200 times on his way to his discovery. And a reporter once asked him, Mr. Salk, how did it feel to fail 200 times? Salk's response was this, I never failed 200 times in anything in my life. In my family, we were taught not to use the word fail. I just discovered 200 ways how not to invent a vaccine for polio. Somebody once asked Winston Churchill, what most prepared you to lead Great Britain all alone for a while against Nazi Germany? Churchill's response was, well, there was a time that I had to repeat a grade in the English equivalent of elementary school. The reporter quickly fired back, you mean you failed a grade in elementary school? Churchill's response, I never failed anything in my life. I was given a second opportunity to get it right. So if it took Jonas Salk 200 times to come up with the vaccination for polio, was Jonas Salk a failure? Churchill flunked a grade in elementary school. Was Winston Churchill a failure? 
The Chicago Cubs, how many years between their World Series? 108. Were they a failure? Yes, but that's a bad example. You know the point. The sin is not in the failure. The sin is giving up. When apathy sets in, when you forget I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, when you forget greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So this is our opportunity, folks. We're on this great journey. Reset, reset. Don't keep doing the same things expecting a different result. Make a decision now. You've had the wrong goal. And that's why you're frustrated. And that's why you're falling into bed at night, totally frustrated, weary, tired, and accomplishing nothing. Change the goal. Aim for heaven and get earth thrown in. Press into the goal by your daily habits, by your devotional life, by walking and talking with God, by worship music, by setting your mind on the higher things. And whatever you do, make sure you fail forward so that all these things will be added to you. Start well, but finish even better. Now, one last thing. While you're resetting, you got to remember something. Now, focus in here. I, please take a deep breath right now and listen to what I'm about to say. There is a calling on your life that most of us will never achieve. Oh, Pastor Jeff, why do you have to be the bearer of such bad news? Because I'm trying desperately to wake you up. You're missing out. And the reason we will not achieve that high calling that gives us the ultimate sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and significance is because we will refuse to seek first the kingdom of God. And as a result, the power and the wisdom of God needed to experience the quantum leap never comes. Mediocrity is much like a pandemic. When you're living it, there seems to be no end in sight, but very few people are willing to do what is required to achieve that greatness. Don't you realize the same calling is on your life? And that if you would give what God has given to you back to the Father and would pursue Him above and beyond anything else, through the daily habits of your life, and even through failures, never giving up, do you realize there's greatness in you? Don't you realize there's a slam dunk in every single Christ follower? I think somehow we've forgotten the transformative power of Jesus. If you would seek first the kingdom of God, think about all these things are added unto you. D.L. Moody said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And he said, by God's help, I am to be that man. This is the gift of reset. You can do it. Don't go back to the old way, running here and there and falling into bed, totally tired and weary, not sure what you've accomplished. Start again. Push the reset button. And as we look at these characters in the weeks to come, learn, glean from them. This is the word of God. And this mediocre life that you're in can become extraordinary. When you change your ultimate goal, you experience the byproducts. Pursue heaven, get earth thrown in. Press into the goal with daily habits. Harness the wisdom and the power of God for daily success. And when you do fail, because you will, you're in the flesh, fail forward. Receive the grace of God and keep going strong. And if you will do that, the mediocre life that you're now living will fade and you will begin to shine with the glory of God because your life will reflect the goodness and the power and the wisdom of God. Amen? Father, I thank you and praise you for all of your goodness. And I ask you in Christ's name, 
that you would come into our lives in a very special way, that maybe our eyes would be open just now. Father, help us to see that the things we're chasing after are the byproducts of a greater pursuit. That if we'll lean into it and press into the great pursuit, if we aim at heaven, that earth will be thrown in. And when we fail, never to give up, but to fail forward, knowing that one day we'll wake up and we will realize we have become the person that we always truly wanted to be. And we would have gained the things, eternal things, that we always wanted to gain. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.